Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. Hello again, and welcome back to this episode of the Big Unlock Podcast. My special guest today is the Chief Digital Officer of a large health system that serves a largely rural population across the upper Midwest, stretching across 250,000 square miles. What are the special considerations that go into serving a population that is so widely dispersed? And how do you go about designing digital solutions for this population? We discuss all of this in this conversation. Without any further ado, let's get started. I am thrilled to be here with Jared Anzac, Chief Digital Officer at Sanford Health in South Dakota. Jared, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Patty. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about Sanford Health, the populations you serve, the size of the organization, and a little bit about your role. Absolutely. Sanford Health is headquartered in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We cover a geographic footprint that's approximately 250,000 square miles. So across the upper Midwest, you can uh, visualize a geographic footprint approximately the size of Texas. And that's really the population that we serve here in, in South Dakota, Minnesota, North Dakota, a little bit into Iowa as well. And two thirds of our population are actually classified as rural population areas. And so, you know, it presents a, a very unique opportunity and set of challenges, especially when you're presented with a digital strategy in terms of how do you engage that population. I had the privilege of joining the organization earlier this year as the inaugural chief digital officer for the organization for the first time. So first time in the organization's history, we've had this role. And prior to this role, I spent about a decade in the healthcare industry in a variety of different technology and digital strategy-oriented roles with a few different organizations. I've worked on the provider side. I've worked on the payer side. I've been in roles that have focused both on the clinician experience and the consumer experience. And fundamentally, always sort of found myself in a functioning in what I would describe as a bridging role where technology and business needs and consumer experience really converge. Early on in my career, I worked with a health system that was implementing an electronic medical record with computerized physician order entry and electronic prescribing you know, for the first time. And I observed these providers that were spending all of their time staring at a computer screen rather than making eye contact with their patients. And I supported them at 10 p.m. at night when they were trying to finish their documentation for the day because they didn't have enough time to squeeze it in during their clinic time. And I saw firsthand during that experience how technology often inhibited that patient-provider relationship rather than helped to facilitate it. That sacred moment between patient and provider was often disrupted by the technology of the day. And as a result of, of that sort of realization and that recognition, I actually turned down an opportunity to go to medical school so that I could focus on that problem. And that's really been the driving force behind my career ever since. Well, it sounds like... Uh... All of the experience that you've had over the last several years and everything you just talked about, the role of technology in, and how it uh, can enhance or sometimes get in the way of care, all of that really set you up uh, really well for the role that you're in. 
I'm just curious, uh, what led Sanford to create this role of the chief digital officer? What was the compelling driving need for creating this role today? That's a really, really great question. I appreciate you asking. I think Sanford recognized that there was an untapped potential and, and value in digital to really drive value for the organization and for the patients that we serve. We've done a lot of really great work in the past with IT. And I actually have a chief information officer in the organization as well, who is my colleague. And we work really, really closely together, but really to unlock value and enable some of our goals around patient experience and clinician experience, quality improvement, cost reduction, that elusive quadruple aim that we talk about in healthcare. Every organization is structured a little bit differently, but you know, my colleague Brad Reimer and I are very much joined at the hip and it's been a very incredibly productive and, and beneficial dynamic for the organization. And our roles deeply complement each other, by the way, as well. We have very distinct areas of focus, but we also have fundamental areas of opportunity where we converge a lot. It really comes back to how we define digital, though. And so as an organization, how we've defined digital is the front-end aspect of technology that users or human beings interact with as part of a broader experience. So that's really the focus for myself and my team. However, there's also a back-end aspect of technology that includes the infrastructure, the architecture, the databases, the interfaces, the networks. And that's really the CIO's focus. And so those things ultimately come together as part of the technology ecosystem. But we have different areas of focus to ensure that we're giving the right attention and resources on the areas that matter. Yeah, what you described sounds a lot like what we see in other organizations as well, where you have a team of senior executives who are complementing each other and then focusing on their individual roles, but working in a you know, very deeply interconnected way to deliver on the digital mission for the organization. Let's talk a little bit about your populations. Uh, you mentioned 250,000 square miles, the size of Texas, a largely rural population. Now, I, I have to believe that those fundamental attributes drive in many ways your digital priorities. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that dynamic, how that attribute drives your priorities and what those immediate priorities are in your role? Yeah, absolutely. As I think about the population that we serve across the upper Midwest, the vast majority of the counties that Sanford Health serves in this area are federally designated provider shortage areas as well. And so the opportunity for digital and technology to extend reach to some of these patients who live really geographically far from a venue of care is really one of the compelling things that piqued my interest about this opportunity. It's not uncommon for some of our patients to travel three to four hours sometimes just to get to the nearest doctor's office. And unfortunately for, for many people, you know, that means taking time off of work. Sometimes for some of our, our farming communities, it means setting aside really valuable harvest time in order to, to seek the care that they need, finding childcare or reliable transformation to make that or transportation to make that journey. And, you know, all of those factors ultimately can become a barrier for many people to get the care that they need in order to make a difference. And so, you know, we know that postponing preventive care can really result in other unintended health complications or poorer outcomes. So we need to make it easy for our patients to be able to do the right thing and for us to do the right thing for our patients. And so the ability to leverage virtual care tools and digital experiences to bring care closer to home or even in the home can really become life-changing or life-saving for people who live in these communities. 
When you talk about the types of care, you refer to some very common themes that I hear when I talk to other health systems which have similar populations. So when you talk about the types of care that are really, really important to the populations that you serve, can you add a little bit of color to that? Are we talking about primary care services? Are we talking about managing chronic conditions? Are we talking about acute care procedures? What are we talking about? What is the most important need at this time or the gap at this time that someone in your role would be focused on? I think to some extent it's all of the above, right? And starting with primary care, starting with those basic preventative care needs, and then moving up the chain from episodic conditions to urgent emergent conditions to potentially elective procedures. It's really about making sure that we're delivering the right care in the right place at the right time and doing so in a manner that aligns with our patients, our consumers' needs in terms of when, where, and how they they want to receive that care. So some of the things, though, that are additional considerations that we look at, though, especially in some of these rural communities, is what does digital equity look like? Digital equity in and of itself is considered a a social determinant of health, Mm -hmm. right? Similar to food shortages or housing or transportation or other determinants of health. Digital equity looks at things like, do they have internet access? Do they have reliable broadband? Do they have device availability? Do they have smartphones or tablets or computers with a a camera at their disposal? Are they digitally literate? In other words, are they comfortable downloading, registering, navigating a digital experience? Or is that potentially a barrier to entry for some of these people to be able to engage in a virtual care experience? And so We're looking across the board at all of those different elements and really understanding what it is like in our community for these patients and how do we mitigate some of those barriers and some of those points of friction so that we ultimately can deliver the right care at the right time for them. Can you give us an example maybe of a a digital enablement that you've launched and implemented that addresses one or more of the needs that you just described? Yeah, so we're very much in the process of evaluating some of our priorities. But as an example, we recently launched a virtual care initiative to really transform how people receive care across the upper Midwest. And it was part of a $350 million initiative. Actually, next week, we have a groundbreaking for our virtual care facility that will be our flagship sort of building upon which this initiative will be sort of foundational. And With that initiative, we're looking at things like remote patient monitoring as an example. And how do we ultimately get the right devices in order to be able to care for people in some of these remote communities upstream and in a way that's more proactive where their care team can be engaged with them from a distance so they don't have to come into the doctor's office in order to have their A1C checked or to monitor their blood pressure. And so we're looking at different devices. We're looking at devices that potentially can connect just based off of a cellular signal. They don't even necessarily need broadband access. We're looking at how do we make the experience as plug and play as possible. One example that that we're exploring is for patients who are in our hospitals who might be eligible for an early discharge with remote patient monitoring as an option for that post-acute care bringing the devices to the patient while they're still in our facilities, showing them how to connect, show them how to use it, demystify the experience for them so that they feel comfortable and confident being able to use it at home, and then sending them home with the device 
and following up to make sure that they're still able to use it. And then that mitigates the amount of time that they have to spend in our facilities and allows them to return home in the comfort of their own atmosphere and environment to heal. Yeah, I love that example. You made a reference to digital literacy and in fact, made a reference to a digital divide and how that has become a social determinant of health. Let's take a quick break. And I'd like to acknowledge our partners and sponsors, Be Well. And if you like this podcast, rate us on whatever favorite podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're interested in listening to the archives, visit us at thebigunlock.com. With that, back to the conversation. I imagine that, again, maybe you can, you can tell us the case mix or the player mix in your population also plays a role, again, because in one sense represents populations with certain attributes. And on the other side of the coin, it also reflects how you might be getting paid or compensated for services that you provide. So in this context, if you're serving, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about your payer mix and also how you develop solutions that address the greatest common denominator across multiple populations with various needs. Can you address that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a pretty balanced I would say payer mix, a good balance in terms of commercial, as well as Medicaid, as well as Medicare across that spectrum. But Sanford is very much on the journey that a lot of organizations are on in terms of the shift to more of a value-based care model. And I think with that shift to value, the ability for digital to potentially create value for both our patients and for the organization becomes that much more important. Because we start to get upstream more from the traditional visit, encounter, RVU model in terms of caring for patients. And we think about patients a little bit more holistically. We want to keep them out of the hospitals. We want to keep them away from expensive, costly venues of care. And ultimately, that's where different digital technologies and potentially remote patient monitoring and other things like that really come into play and create a lot of value for the organization and for our patients. And so... We're very much on that journey and we're, you know, we have kind of one foot in and one foot out in a traditional sort of healthcare landscape. And like a lot of organizations, we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to accommodate our patients' needs and meet the organization's needs at the same time. Yeah, that's a great segue to talk about technology because at the end of the day, you are putting a lot of technologies in place. Of course, going through your chain management and training and literacy and so on. How do you go about making your technology choices? Start with the EHR. Can you talk about what EHR platform you're on? And then how do you really go about evaluating your technology choices when it comes to implementing these solutions that you're, that you're referring Yeah, absolutely. Sanford is actually, we're on a single instance of Epic, and that's actually quite an accomplishment in and of itself for an organization our size to be on a single instance of an EMR. And that instance of the EMR was actually implemented in some of our locations over 12 years ago. And if you think about the population that we serve, a lot of that population is fairly static. Not a lot of people move in or move out from some of these areas. And so we have a really long history of clinical data, longitudinal data set in terms of some of these patients, which is really, really valuable for us and for them in order to help generate the right kinds of insights in order to help keep them well and and manage their conditions. But like every organization, 
I think in order to determine what digital technology is the right fit for us, I always go back to making sure that we have articulated the right problem to solve. I think in healthcare, it's easy to fall into the trap of starting with the solution, mm-hmm. you know, and being dazzled by the bells and whistles that you see in a demo, and then moving forward with a particular solution, and then working backwards to try to figure out, okay, now what problem can it solve? And that's a trap I've seen a lot of organizations kind of fall into. And so one of the things that we're very deliberate and intentional about is making sure that we understand what problems we're trying to solve, how those problems align with our strategy, how those problems meet our patients' underserved needs or jobs to be done. And ultimately, are they desirable for our patients? Are they viable for the business? Are they feasible from a technology and an operational standpoint? And then that allows us to ensure that we're picking the right solution to solve the right problems and that we're getting the greatest value out of it. You mentioned data and analytics. Actually, it's a fascinating comment you made that your populations, the populations that you serve are fairly stable. They don't move a lot. So over the years, you've you've gathered longitudinal data, which I have to imagine is one of your most valuable assets today from just being able to understand your How are you leveraging all of that data? Are you are you putting advanced analytics uh, programs in place? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We we do have an analytics and machine learning and artificial intelligence function within our organization. And it really is intended to take advantage of that really robust data set that we've been able to curate over the years and to be able to derive some machine learning in order to generate insights about our population and ultimately then to get the right nudges and next best actions either into the clinician workflow or directly to the patients to be able to act on from a proactive standpoint, the right actions that will help people to stay well and looking at different risk factors and things that ultimately can potentially help predict different conditions and get upstream from those things so that we can provide the right treatment in a proactive way, keep people well. So it's a really exciting area and it's an area that we're also in the process of of looking to grow and expand at the same time. Yeah, I bet uh, it's got to be a really exciting journey. Startups, and uh, you talked about finding the right solution after finding what the problem is. What is the need you're trying to address? You know, what is the job to be done? And then you're back into the solution. Now, obviously, from your comments, I gather that you're looking at the EHR, but you're also looking at other solutions that might fit your need better. So, you know, a lot of startups and technology firms listen to this podcast, and they're all going to have the question, how do we get uh, Jared's attention to give us an opportunity to come in and talk about uh, solutions that we've developed? What is your advice for someone who is uh, listening to this podcast and wants to approach you and wants to offer you a solution? Really great question. I mean, this is something that we deal with, I think, on a daily basis. And, you know, one of the things that we're really trying to do as an organization is be very intentional and deliberate about making sure that we're aligning the right sorts of opportunities with the right challenges or opportunities that we're trying to solve for. And so we have this concept of the 80-20 rule where 80% of the time we want to define the problem and then go out and compare different solutions that might be in the marketplace and then narrow down the right vendors depending on which ones meet our needs the best and ultimately go forward in that in that way. But then 20% of the time we want to be able to have that sort of outside in inspiration. You know, there may be something that a particular vendor has identified in terms of a, an opportunity or an underserved need that maybe just hasn't hit our radar for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And we don't want to close ourselves off to those opportunities either. 
but we want to make sure that we are also sort of bringing those in through a consistent process. And so we have a team that we have dedicated that is really sort of on point for managing some of that intake as well as some of the outreach in terms of our vendor evaluations and selections. Yeah. In that same vein, given the unique nature of the populations that you serve, the widely dispersed rural populations and so on, should solution providers, should innovators be considering some very specific attributes of your population as they develop their solution, as they think about a solution for your population? A lot of you know startups will develop solutions that address a certain demographic, people who are, I'm just making this up, digitally savvy, right? People who have the latest uh, versions of the iPhone, they're digitally savvy, they're you know always on, they don't have a problem engaging online and so on. Your population may have a slightly different uh, set of attributes, and you mentioned the bandwidth uh, issues and constraints and device issues and constraints. What is your one or two pieces of advice to innovators who are building solutions for a population such as yours? That's a really great question. You know, I think the challenge is that our population is still relatively diverse in terms of we do have a lot of people in urban settings. We have the farmer that's out on the field that may or may not have broadband access, may or may not be as digitally savvy. We also have the financial advisor sitting in downtown Sioux Falls that we're serving as part of our, our population, right? And so I think recognizing not only the population and how a particular solution can meet some of their needs as being really important, I think also from a technology integration standpoint, it's really important that we're removing friction regardless of of the type of user, regardless of the persona that we might be trying to serve, integration is one of the greatest opportunities that we have in healthcare, right? Everybody wants that sort of Amazon-like experience. You know, when Amazon comes out with a new set of features or functionality or capabilities, they don't create a new app for that. There's that old saying back in the early 2000s, there's an app for that. Nowadays, it's just part of the experience. And so what we want to create is the Sanford experience. We don't want a proliferation of point solutions where we're asking our patients to go out and download a new app for this and a new app for that. We want it to become integrated and seamless. We want that digital front door experience where it's cohesive and intuitive, matches the user's mental model, where we have the ability to integrate through APIs or a software development kit, the right capabilities from our partners and our vendors, as well as any capabilities that we build in-house into that cohesive and seamless experience to remove friction ultimately so that our patients can engage in a meaningful way. That is very, very well said. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to have to leave it there for today. We could go on for a lot longer. It's been a fascinating conversation. Once again, thank you so much, Jared, for coming on the podcast and for sharing your insights. And all the very best in your new role. Thank you, Patty. Really appreciate it. Once again, I'd like to thank our partners, BeWell, for their sponsorship and their support. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions.